Trail runners, welcome back to Chasing Gold, where we are chatting with some of the front runners coming to the Javelina 100 mile, trying to secure one of those two golden tickets into the Western States Endurance Run of 2023. Today, we have a very special episode. We have two Hoka athletes on. We have Patrick Reagan and Stephanie Flippin. Stephanie is the 2021 100 mile road national champion. She is a two time winner at the Tunnel Hill 100 mile and most recently this year got third at the 100 mile road national championships. Stephanie runs with Hoka, Spring Energy, and Ultra Spire. Patrick, he's Mr. Havelina, three by champion of the Havelina 100 mile. He holds the course record. He has the second fastest time, and he is coming back for a fourth win here. He is also the 100-mile trail national champion in 2019. He is a top 10 at states, and he has multiple 630, 100K times, including world championship, third place, and a second place at the Hoka Carbon X. Stephanie and Patrick, welcome to the show. This is cool. We have two great Hoka athletes here with us. Um, we're going to dive into some of the training. And Patrick is also coaching Stephanie, which makes this very unique. So we're going to try to get some perspective on how, how that coach relationship, uh, eh, kind of how that looks. So first, let's dive into some general training. How has the last, say, six weeks of training gone for you both? Stephanie, do you want to start us off? Sure. Yeah, I feel super pleased um, with the last six weeks and really like the totality of the training block um, that Pat and I put together um, for me. Um, feeling very confident um, heading out to the Javelina course as I was able to take a weekend trip um, down. Um, I actually paced my husband um, on the final lap um, back in 2018. So I have run the, the course, however, that was at night. Um, so I did want to get experience running that first loop um, and then doing an additional um, second loop um, since I was out there for the weekend. Um, I felt like that was great specificity for me. Um, also felt great like following up that weekend, hopping into a local trail 50K here in Colorado. Um, and yeah, just been really excited, like reflecting back on an awesome summer of training. I feel very fortunate uh, to have been able to stack uh, what I consider to be probably like the biggest like overall volume intensity that Pat um, kind of matched up for me, um, you know, in my entire career so far. Um, and yeah, feeling really good about what I've been able to put in. Awesome. Thank you. And Patrick, how about you? Yeah, I guess just six weeks ago, me and Steph got to do a little training together out in Colorado. Um, my buddy Chris Brown was getting married, so we got to see in person, you know, how she was progressing along. We did a nice 25 miler together at the, the head of the Colorado Trail. Uh, my last six weeks has been really good. Um, I've had kind of some hiccups in the final four weeks approaching my last 400 milers, and this one has been really smooth. So I extrapolated out a great 12 weeks. Um, more intensity than I've gotten in in a long time. 
and a lot of really specific heat training work as per usual for me uh, coming from the southeastern United States heading into the race. So I haven't been on the course since 2020 when I paced Kaylee Demersian, uh, who's now my training partner here in Savannah. So I'm really looking forward to, to getting back to, you know, my favorite race in the world. I mean, yeah, I, I love this course. And I think I think everyone that knows something about me knows uh, this is a favorite race of mine. Cool. Yeah, I, I don't. I think you've been on the the course enough, Patrick. You've had uh, what 15 ish laps. Actually, probably more with some pacing duties, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Seventeen <laughs> laps, I guess. So that's, nice. that's quite a bit of time to spend out there. And you mentioned heat training. Obviously, Patrick, you are down in Savannah where it's fairly warm. Um, current projections show a pretty cool year here uh well, that could change next week but talking about 80s and i even saw a little uh cloud in that forecast which would be very nice for the runners stephanie i believe you are in colorado i'm sure that oh, is yeah. a colder climate are you doing any specific heat training oh yeah um ever since moving to colorado um and kind of realizing like the differences not just like in seasons but really like how drastic like the temperatures drop um i live up at 8700 feet um so really like the second we hit october like i'm seeing mornings in the 20s now um you know there's certainly like ice on my windshield um, so yeah, heat training is something that I don't take lightly. Um, and I have been doing a very rigorous, um, sauna, uh, training protocol for the last four weeks, um, and feeling very solid about that. Um, and like I said, heat is not something I take lightly at all. Um, even, you know, just my experience being out there, um, in the desert a few weekends ago or uh, last month, I mean, um, I was out there, you know, it was like low hundreds, um, when I was out on both of those loops, um, I was crossing my fingers and really hoping that, um, race day would bring much cooler temperatures than that. Um, but I think it was good for me to just kind of experience that exposure out there. Um, you know, there's absolutely no shade on a super sunny day. Um, so that really, um, after I was out there for that weekend, I was like, yep, it's time to start my sauna training protocol. Um, so I feel really good about what I've put in there. And what does that look like? Is it active passive where you're getting in the sauna right after a run or how yeah. does that look? Yeah. Um, so I, um, you know, along with Pat's input um, and insight um, and his recommendations, um, I also followed um, just the scientific literature um, put out by, I believe his name is pronounced Purian. Um, I, um, yeah, I've been heading into the dry sauna immediately after exercise or like a run or cross training. Um, and I did kind of like a 10 day loading block of, um, you know, 10 consecutive days in the sauna, um, for like 30, I built up to like 30 to 40 minutes. Um, and then after that 10 day loading block, um, I switched off to like every other day, every two days, uh, 30 to 40 minutes at like around 180, 185 degrees Ooh. Fahrenheit. So. <laughs> yeah, sounds sounds pretty standard. Sounds like a good good heat protocol. Yeah. And what about you, Patrick? Obviously, it's a little warmer there. Are you doing anything in particular for heat training? Yeah, so up until two weeks ago, we were still having you know mid 80s to low 90 degree days here in Savannah. So I was getting out a little bit more regularly in the afternoon, at least for you know a little bit of riding around town in, in longer layers, um, not particularly getting in the sauna. But my summer heat training, the long-term <laughs> exposure was pretty adequate this year where we had a lot of summer days, you know, upwards of 110, 115 heat index this summer. Um, you know, doing a 50 miler in those kind of conditions, mm. just in training, um, doing a lot of longer, you know, kind of 50 K runs. And, and I, I do only singles. So 
I tend to hit uh, heat at the end of almost every single one of my runs. Summertime here, you know, you may wake up and it's 85 with, um, you know, 85, 90% humidity. So my long-term exposure um, hasn't particularly been, you know, similar to Stephanie's where the final four weeks is more concentrated. Um, in the past, Magda or Ian have had me do that kind of protocol approaching states where the last three weeks is the most important. But for this one, I, f I feel very adapted and, and ready to roll for, you know, 80s on the East Coast, which which is probably more similar to 60s on the course. So. Yeah, for sure. And both of you are no stranger to running in the heat. Obviously, Patrick, you've been on course. You've both ran the 100-mile event at Jackpot, which traditionally can be very hot. I think it was 90s or so uh, in some of the years that you have both ran. Yeah. When we look at uh, Javelina, obviously it's a looped course, so you crew, you see a crew one at one one point each loop at headquarters. Obviously, we have plenty of ice for every single runner on course. We have a, an exorbitant amount of ice. What does the cooling and heat mitigation strategy look like on race day? Is it an ice vest? Is it an ice bandana? Ice sleeves? And how do you approach that? Obviously, there's four aid stations almost every five miles. Do you stop at each one for icing? Do you stop at just to say the one in the middle of the, the route at 10 miles? So let's let's have Stephanie lead off. And how does the, the cooling and heat mitigation look like on race day? Yeah, well, you know, kind of first things first, like Pat has been just so integral in helping me sharpen like my topical cooling skills. Um, you know, that's something that I really had to stay on top of um, for jackpot in 2021 that you just mentioned, Scott. Yeah, I, be I believe it did hit like low 90s that day um, with full sun exposure. Um, for me, like I've always been a huge proponent of ice bandanas. So is Pat. Um, so I'll definitely be utilizing those. Um, you know, I believe our good friend Pam Smith was the one that said, like, you know, get cool um, before you even get hot. Um, I also stand by that um, philosophy. I'm someone that is like, you know, it's like low to mid 60s and I'm already grabbing like ice just to like stay ahead of it. Um, I never want to be like waiting until I'm feeling hot out there. Um, so me personally, I'm definitely going to be using an ice bandana, probably another like ice cold soaked um, bandana, like with as much ice as I can, like into my hat. Um, I'll use arm sleeves um, at Pat's recommendation. Um, those proved to be so, so crucial for me um, when I was out there um, last month and just like shoving ice um, into those arm sleeves. Um, I'll be like, I'll be carrying like water on me, um, you know, to be able to dump on me. Um, also at Pat's recommendation um, in between aid stations, um, like you, like you mentioned, Scott, it, it is looking to be a cooler year. Um, so that's helpful. Um, but I feel like I'm still prepared um, to, like, like I said, be extremely regimented with topical cooling. Because um, I do feel that that's just such a critical factor in Javelina. Absolutely. And let's talk to Pat, the three-time winner. What do you think? What are the secrets there? How are you, how are you doing your cooling strategy? So whether it's an athlete that I coach or, or myself, when I'm coaching myself through this thing on race day, um, I always say spend the time at aid so you don't spend the time on your back at Jackass Junction on loop <laughs> three or four. Um, lots of people have run very fast through the 100K on this course, and it's quite easy to do so for runners of, of our caliber, right? The, the men's and women's fields being so stacked. So I have a protocol where I don't touch an ice bandana for loop one, but I have an ice hat on. So as soon as I can let go of the need of my like ultra spiral waist light, right? Um, or a or a you know headlamp, 
I will start to add ice to the back of the hat, which sits right on the occipital bone. So right above the cooling centers. Um, that's what I use for the first few loops. So about three quarters of a pound of ice in there. Um, and then everybody, I think, kind of knows me for having a lot of coverage similar to Ian, right? Where, you know, calf sleeves, um, getting those nice and wet as you go. And then I also use, uh, you know, stark white arm sleeves to do a lot of uh, venous cooling and topical cooling at the wrist as well. So those main cooling centers for lap one are really important to me. I'll spend a lot of time at the bucket while maybe a you know gracious volunteer helps me to fill my bottles. Um, I'll, you know, spend upwards of a minute just focusing on cooling and kind of, you know, meditating on that, getting the heart rate back down. Um, once I hit lap two, I'll get a ice bandana for my crew. And then we'll have two ice bandanas on course. So I'll always, when I come into aid, be dropping my bottles, my ice bandana. And as I'm heading back out of Jack, you know, of uh, heavily in a headquarters, I'll be strapping on a new one. I would say that the ice bandana, I'll refill it every other aid station. It could be as much as every aid in the very hottest parts of the day, depending on how hot it gets here. Um, with how much ice I put in the bandana, it probably won't completely melt till Jackass. And I'll focus on refilling the hat, which is a lot more convenient for me. So a little bit, a few cubes of ice on the wrist for anyone that's running their first Javelina is, is a huge help. Um, you know, my my good friend and old coach Magda Boulay uh, had given me that recommendation that that venous cooling is really important and uh, use that at Western States and Javelina tons of times here. So it almost sounds counterintuitive to have more coverage, but that SPF 30 kind of clothing, um, nice and wet is almost better than just full exposure, especially in the desert, because it's going to hold a little more water than your skin naturally does. So with the evaporation rate the way it is, um, I prefer to have clothing on my body, much like Stephanie mentioned, our, our buddy Pam Smith, who would run in a you know white cotton t-shirt at Western States, right? So that type of uh, you know cooling out west is really important for any East Coasters that are used, used to being soaked. Um, out west, your, your clothing is gonna dry out very quickly. So stay nice and cool and wet, um, maybe even use your secondary bottle if it's a hard bottle to do some topical cooling as you go. So, so maybe one bottle for nutrition, second body, bottle for topical cooling. Yeah, it's 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 funny you mentioned that. Uh, I've, I've talked to a few few of the front runners so far, and a lot of a lot of athletes are planning on using that strategy where they're carrying fluids for the sole purpose of getting their clothing wet. Uh, mm -hmm. So carrying a little bit more fluid in between aid stations just to keep that clothing wet uh, for the evaporative cooling. It is hot out here for all that don't know. I mean, just being exposed to that sun literally for 100 miles, there is zero shade on course. Uh, so hearing that both of you are taking this very, uh, have a very thought out strategy, I think is gonna pay dividends on race day. Let's dive into a little coach versus athlete segment. Like I mentioned, both of these Athletes, our coaches, Patrick is at patrickreaganrunning.com and Stephanie with liftrunperform.com. Uh, so we're going to ask him some coaching questions, some athlete questions, and see how, it, see how it goes. So first question, Stephanie, when did you start the coaching relationship with Patrick? Uh, Pat and I started working together last year in 2021. Um, you know, we had um, become friends after uh, racing each other um, at Jackpot at, in um, out in Vegas, um, like we've talked about. Um, you know, after like, you know, coming out of the pandemic, I had been self-coaching myself. Um, I was a little bit burnout, like on, um, you know, sub ultra road training. Um, 
2020 um, at Tunnel Hill was when I was like, you know what, I'm going to head back into the 100 mile scene, see if I can chop some time off of um, my, I don't want to say slow, um, but my very kind of modest uh, prior uh, mountain like 100 mile performances. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of made my way through that. Um, you know, had a had a great day for me personally at Jackpot. Met Pat there. Um, you know, and as I continued to work my way through the year, it just became very evident that I would really benefit from having another very experienced um, person in my corner. Um, you know, I, I felt comfortable self coaching myself, but I just so strongly feel that coaches also need coaches. Um, it's been wonderful um, to have Pat's expertise in the sport, um, and I feel like our um, our strengths really lined up really well. Um, you know, I'm here in Colorado, but I do enjoy like the faster um, hundred mile courses. Um, and there's no one better to lead me than Pat. So, sure. Let me uh, let me paint a picture for the audience. So in in 2020, Steph ran at Tunnel Hill, won the event in 1555. Comes back 2021 USATF National Championships wins that 1435 that's an hour and a half for those that aren't familiar tunnel hill it runs like a road race um it's a flat very fast course but that's an hour and a half goes back to tunnel hill 2021 1404 smoking fast pat obviously steph was a great athlete coming to you what things do you think you were able to help her with going into that 2021 season and having her drop so much time off that hundred mile. More than anything. I mean, so much of it is Steph's just long-term dedication to the sport and her focus and being a student of the sport. Um, I think one thing that we've been really good at on coaching calls is to kind of dial more into the specificity from both the nutrition perspective um, and it's counter relation with the importance of topical cooling um, on race day. I think approaching Tunnel Hill, uh, it was pretty early on in our relationship working together. But one thing in particular that we worked on dialing um, were just important quality sessions and their timing before the race and, and also the importance of a, of a really nice taper. Um, I think I had Steph taper more than usual for that event. And rather than going into the event feeling tapped out, like she maybe had to squeeze in that last 20 or 25 mile long run, we dialed in more like a 15 miler, right? Um, you know, more like 15, 16 days out. Um, you know, we just did like a 10 or 12 mile the weekend before. And I think she felt as though the energy stores were in probably the best spot ever. Um, you know, that was one of the main things in post. I remember about Tunnel Hill was her feeling fresher than she ever was. Maybe cashing out on race day rather than cashing out in the training block. Um, so that kind of relationship, yeah, with, with nutrition and cooling, but that isn't that important at Tunnel Hill. <laughs> it's a pretty cool race. So I think more than anything, the biomechanics side of it, um, of practicing, you know, regular half marathon, marathon pace heading in, not doing too much in the final 21 days. Uh, and that has seemed to work really well for Steph so far. Cool. Yeah. You know, I'll just pop in there too. Um, just like from the athlete perspective, I think it's been really, really beneficial for me um, that Pat has kind of spread out um, my higher volume. By nature, I like I'm fortunate that I am more of a high mileage volume or a high volume um, athlete um, to begin with. But Pat being able to kind of like spread out those days throughout my week, where I'm getting like three solid days um, of higher mileage versus 
you know, maybe when I was self-coaching myself, I was more like just doing like the traditional, like stacking, like back-to-back long runs. And I think that was really taking a lot out of me. Um, and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not someone that's like brand new to hundred milers. Um, so I didn't necessarily need that, um, you know, that back-to-back stimulus like that, you know, Havelina this year, I think will be my 10th hundred miler. Um, Again, for anyone listening, like I will proudly say that my first hundred miler took me over 30 hours. Um, it was like a mountain race, um, but I mean, it's, I've just been doing it for so long now, like at so many varying like levels of fitness here. But um, I, I think that was really beneficial for me to like spread out the volume um, throughout my week. Cool. And let's talk. So Stephanie, you see, obviously Patrick lays out the, the program for you. Are there any workouts that you that when you look at your calendar, you're like, oh, not this one again? Like any workouts that you absolutely hate when you see them? Honestly, no. I'm I'm someone like I'm kind of like a sicko. I feel like I I love the work. I love the grind. I think Pat knows that. And what he already mentioned, I probably love it a little bit too much. Um, so he, you know, he serves an incredible purpose for me in terms of like pulling me back, raining that raining me back in. You know, I'm I I wasn't ever making like dumb mistakes like in terms of running like a 50k like two weeks out or anything like that. But um, just kind of holding me back has been super helpful. Um, I would say for this past training block, um, probably when he put like a 40 miler um, like solo, <laughs> not um, within like a race um, environment. That was a little bit. I wasn't you know I wasn't like oh dang it, but um, you know I I did run. 40 solid miles, like connecting all the trail systems and my extremely hilly neighborhoods um, here in Evergreen, Colorado. And that was a day uh, for sure. Um, so I'm definitely utilizing that solo session that I had, but I, I didn't have my husband like help like crew me that day. Um, I was doing bottles and everything and topical cooling myself. Um, so sessions like that were definitely like mentally like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to be out here for so long today, but um, I know I'll be able to tap into those like um, on race day and, and feel confident. So Sure. And Patrick, obviously with Stephanie being a world-class athlete, her exposure to workouts, volume, all this is, is you know, head and shoulders above your average athlete. What things, when you're, when you're programming for Stephanie, what what kind of workouts are you putting on the table? Like say in endurance phase training, how many days are there time at intensity and how much time at intensity are, are we talking about? Yeah. So it heavily varies, um, per athlete, as you said, and, and that is oftentimes determined on the athlete's total volume. Right. And in Steph's case, it's, it's a matter of in the past, what have we seen is, is too much. Um, she'll do as much as probably a 10 mile, 12 mile tempo, right? Um, at more like a marathon effort, maybe starting at 50 K effort, finishing as fast as, um, half marathon effort, um, within that session, more perceived exertion, getting a good feel for it, um, keeping it on relatively flat terrain. So I guess that would be as much as an hour and 20 minutes within like a two hour session would be about as much as she would touch at marathon, right? In this block, I'd say we were closer to more like eight miles of work total for Steph. So let's say that average is, you know, 6.30 pace roughly, or even closer to 6.15 pace. Um, you know, we're, we're not talking more than, you know, kind of the hour there, I guess. Sure. Um, more like 50 minutes of work as per usual. Uh, we use the concept of the, the NAU lumberjack 
um, where you do a variance of, um, you know, intensity throughout the session where, where you'll start at, at half effort, you know, for 800s or Ks, uh, you'll flow into two or three, even four mile repeats um, at close to 50K effort, come back down, Ks and 800s again, come back up three or four milers again, come down and finish with faster 400s um, at either half marathon or 10K effort. So in total, the session is pretty big, but in terms of the intensity, probably never than more than 50 minutes to one hour for most sessions. There are some longer tempos. As we get closer, you know, we're doing more of your classic kind of 10 by a K, um, you know, 12 by 800 kind of work. Um, you know, not, nothing special here, right? We're talking mile repeats, mile and a half repeats, uh, you know, three by two mile kind of repeats, but, but we only really do one session like that a week. So the, and probably more like four a month, mm, the importance being more focused for us on getting used to running hundred mile perceived exertion and biomechanically getting tuned for what does that mean for Stephanie, right? On a course like Havelina, how much do you practice running 830 pace in her case, right? And the more we can practice that, and you know, I've, I've got this critique on my training in the past uh, from other runners, like, wow, you run slow. I, I do. And it's primarily to prepare for, like you know, Scott, from your experience running many hundred milers and great 24 hour races. It's awesome that you're good at running 630 pace for 30 <laughs> milers, but it may be more important for you to, on a regular basis, run 730 pace to nine minute pace if you're a 24 hour specialist, right? So we focus a lot on fueling and topical cooling as one of our primary specificities and add little supplements to that biomechanical work in our program. So you maybe only do 10% of work at that a week. You of course have a couple days of strides, you know, uh, 30 second to one minute bouts, um, twice a week, maybe one day tuning up for your quality one day tuning up for a mid range run, but mm, maybe, maybe six, eight, 10% of the volume total is at paces faster than hundred K effort. Yeah, that makes sense. And I do think that is a flaw in many coaching programs, right? When we get into that endurance phase, exactly what you said. And I remember as a younger athlete, I would I would do that. I would make that mistake where, you know, obviously if you have a bigger engine, say running at seven minute per mile pace feels really easy, but that might not be sustainable for a hundred mile effort. So it is, yeah, I would agree. It is much better to tune into that RPE and try to find out what is 100 mile race pace feel like or what does 100k race pace feel like how many times i've asked athletes going into a race you got your pacing dialed in and they have no idea they don't quite get that there is 100k race pace there is 100 mile race pace so that is it's great that's great to hear um with that we are going to dive into the 10 question fast pace fart like round with two athletes, we will start with Stephanie answering first. You will both answer each question, and then we'll go to Patrick to answer first on the second question. So, Stephanie, first question. What sneakers will you be wearing at the Javelina 100? I will be wearing the Hoka Challengers. Nice. Patrick? Hoka Challenger. Ooh, I got a pair of those. It's a good shoe. <laughs> All right, Patrick. Javelina is known for its Halloween theme being on Halloween weekend. What is your favorite or most memorable Halloween costume growing up? Oh, that I wore? That you wore. <laughs> okay. Um, my mom. <laughs> wow. Okay. My mom made me a Tweety Bird costume where like she crafted the whole cage. 
and I sat on the the little you know the little bar so I was Tweety Bird one year and my my grandfather uh was a big influencer in my life he he drug me in like a radio flyer cool that is probably probably my most memorable because it was like with my grandpa you know like before I was like probably mobile (laughs) sure cool and Stephanie I feel like um, my mom and Patrick's mom are super similar. Um, she was always kind of crafting costumes like that. Um, I don't know, probably my favorite one though, and I'm I'm 100% certain my parents still have this costume and they've like put it on my nephew at this point, but I think they dressed me up as like a neon pink, um, like Tyrannosaurus Rex. Um, <laughs> but my mom had like, she had like, I don't know how she did this, but like the tail was like segmented. So it would like move in a very like, um, like reptilian way. Um, and then she also, I feel like she had like weird, like noise makers within the costume too, that would like roar and things like that. Um, but I loved that costume, but I think my, they entered me into like a costume contest and I just like cried the entire time. So <laughs> oh, we got, we got to get both of those moms on a, get an Etsy shop going, I guess. <laughs> yeah, All right. Kidding, right? Pat, uh, Stephanie, one product you wish was at every aid station at every race you go to. What, what, what would that one product be? Ooh, um, gosh, that's a really good question. Um, like, does it have to be like nutrition or you just mean like in general, anything you want? Hmm. Um, gosh. Um, I always really appreciate having like salt tabs, like at every aid station. Um, I'm kind of like a saltier sweater. Um, so that would be of importance to me. Um, squirrels nut butter as well. That's always very helpful. We'll have them both for you. And Patrick. Uh, I'd second SNB, but, uh, probably a home Depot bucket of ice, (laughs) some watermelon. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's like three answers, but that's you know, all right. Th- those are those are my top three, probably, man. We'll have all three for you at the race. All right. When someone is approaching you on a trail, regular training run, are you most likely to say, "Hey, hi," or "Howdy"? Patrick, we'll start with you. Oh yeah, uh, hi. Hi. Yeah, I'm also a high, I feel like. Oh, two highs. All right. Yeah. Because we're struggling, you know, we're running 30, 40 miles. That's yeah. like very, very quick. I'm more of a howdy guy. Oh, All right, God. Stephanie, yay or nay, candy corn? Ooh, that's a hard nay for me. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick? Nay, man. Nay. I haven't had anyone on the yay side yet. We'll see mm-hmm. how this how this goes. All right. How about, uh, Stephanie, race day breakfast? What are you going with? Um, I usually like to go with, um, spring energy's wolf pack. Um, sometimes I struggle to get in like, like solid food. Um, I'll be totally candid. Like I really have to work through like race day, like nerves, um, the morning of, um, so having like two packs of those wolf packs, um, it's pretty much like pineapple oatmeal, um, for me. So those are usually my go-to. Perfect. Yeah, like three hours before, like oats, nut butter, banana, maybe a little honey in it, um, coconut water, like a tall one, mm-hmm. maybe a goose troop waffle with uh, a little more nut butter on it. And then, you know, an hour and a half out, some potato chips with avocado and uh, nice. yeah, right, right on the line, like another stroop waffle with some coconut water. Nice. All right. 
Patrick, favorite Halloween candy? Swedish fish. Yeah, Perfect. I love Swedish fish. Steph? I am definitely like in the sour uh, gummy worm camp. Um, it might be worm shaped, but um, sour, sour uh, gummy candies are my go-to. All right. The first two to move away from chocolate. I like it. <laughs> Stephanie, you get to choose the song to walk out to on Javelina. What song would you be going with? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, let's see here. Uh, my nickname with close friends is Snoop. So <laughs> I don't know really any Snoop song that you could play. Like that's that would be perfect for me. <laughs> I'll let Jubilee know. And Patrick, what do you got? Yeah, oh, man, I'm somewhere between like Cramps and Memphis Jug Band here. You know, I've, I've got sure. a lot of musical interests, man. Uh, let's do The Crusher by The Cramps. All uh, right. I like The Crusher. That's a good one. All right. Let's see where you both stand with golden tickets. If you were to get a golden ticket, what team would you most likely to be on? Team Gene Wilder or Team Johnny Depp? Patrick. I guess I go first, right? Yeah, yep. Team Gene Wilder, man. Gene Absolutely. Wilder, 100%. Yeah, same here. 100%. Old, no questions asked. Old school. I like it. All right, Steph, we're putting you on the spot for the last question. Okay. What place are you finishing the Javelina 100 in? Oh, my gosh. Right these questions. The well, I'm going for the win out there. Um, nice. You know, that's what Patrick has helped set me up for. So I would be—I feel like I would be selling both of us short if I settled for anything less. And Patrick, are we seeing a uh, fourth victory? I mean, I, I'd be uh, amiss to, to say, you know, not first, right? If I was like, oh, Absolutely. Well, third. <laughs> it's Absolutely. a little bit of a disappointment, right? I think there will be quite a battle for that first place ticket, though. You know, it's, uh, it's, yeah. there's, it's a very deep field. On yes. both sides, the men's both and sides. women's sides is probably one of the deepest 100-mile fields we've had on U.S. soil this year. Thank you both for coming on. Like I mentioned, PatrickReaganRunning.com, LiftRunPerform.com for Stephanie. We will see you both at Havelina. Thank Thanks, you. Scott. Thank you.